Hello, Potacumans, and welcome to another episode of the Potacesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys? (laughs) Every time. Every time. You figured by uh, 40-something episodes that we would have figured out how to not talk over each other in the intro. (laughs) Yeah, but carry that's part on. Of, that's Brett. part of our charm. That's part of our yes. charm. charm. And uh, this uh, this uh, episode is actually a special episode. We're taking a little break from uh, John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, and we have been joined by Dr. Ken Collins of Asbury Theological Seminary. How you doing, Dr. Collins? Oh, I'm happy to be here. This is going to be a great conversation. I can tell. Awesome, awesome. Dr. Collins is a professor of historical theology and Wesley studies. He's written numerous books on John Wesley, Wesleyan theology, um, ha- has even co-edited one of the resources we go to sometimes, the Wesley Absolutely. one-volume commentary. And uh, uh, Dr. Collins, being a professor of historical theolo- theology, Wesley studies, what are, what are some of the things that you, you teach at Asbury? I teach basic church history, church history one, uh, then church history two, I teach theology of John Wesley. I teach readings in uh, Western spirituality. I teach currently right now theology of Thomas Aquinas. Oh, I teach wow. the Reformation. Uh, so you get a feel for what I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, I, I was I have an MDiv from Asbury, and I'm currently back in Asbury for uh, doctoral work. And we used some of your work early on. Um, which I'm extremely grateful for. I, I just want to pitch real quick. Um, you seem to have uh, really centered on a phrase in some areas of your work, holy love, which I think I see here again in, in the book yes. we're going to talk about. Can I can I impose on you to just uh, tell me why that strikes you so, Why that how that describes so much for you? Joel Green, who used to be the provost of Asbury Theological Seminary, asked me to summarize Wesley's theology in as few words as possible. And I said, I can do it in two. And I said, holiness and grace. Mm. Okay. Now watch this. I I haven't forgotten your question. Wesley is such a balanced theologian. And so by holiness, what he means is, and it's a kind of tension, holy love. Uh If we simply focus on holiness, then we're going to remove ourselves, set apart, be focused on purity, and we're going to be off in the corner, Mm. sort of like Phariseeism. On the other hand, if we simply focus on love, Without, apart from holiness, that love is going to get filled with all sorts of content, mm-hmm. and it may be very sentimental, and it may be about us or the groups that we like, and so it needs to hear the separation and purity of holiness, and so it really is a kind of tension there. So I use holy love because I find it in Wesley. He used mm-hmm. it many times, a couple of dozen times, that specific phrase, holy love because it gives the proper balance. Because if you talk about love in the church today, we may not all be on the same page, because people are filling in the content of love in all sorts of ways. Mm. I'm interested in the love, and therefore holy love, that's revealed at Golgotha. That's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's revealed at Golgotha. Yeah. And yeah. it's um, it's an earnest love. It's a serious love. It's a radiant 
radiantly beautiful love. Yeah. Yes. So it's the idea you, that, you know, Jesus came in tr truth and grace, you know, the, um, it's, it's both. And, um, I love that. That's great. Yeah. yeah so you told Dr. Green challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right. I always, I always stand up to a challenge. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, uh, like Jim, I got my MDiv at Asbury too, and had you for Wesley's theology. And I remember when I took you for Wesley's theology, you had a little bit of a reputation for your, uh, for basic Christian doctrine being, uh, being, um, I think, no, it was Christian history. That's it. Uh, church yeah, history, history yeah. church history. That's it as being pretty tough. And so I remember going in there with trepidation and I talked to my friends who hadn't had you for Wesley, but had you for church history. And I was like, I don't know this guy y'all are talking about. This is awesome stuff right here. So, um, and I think a large portion of that had to do with, uh, there was a great passion in your teaching uh, about Wesley. Absolutely. Yes, because in Wesley's theology, he's basically bringing forward the genius of all that's in Scripture. He's yeah. bringing it forward like a good exegete. Yeah. Uh, some traditions don't bring everything forward. And I say, right. well, we don't want to talk too much about Wesley brings it all forward, yeah. which makes it exciting oh, because yeah. you get to understand the gospel, the good news of the gospel in new ways. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, That's so good. you didn't know this was going to turn into an episode of Rate Your Professor, did you? <laughs> five stars. Five there stars. Five stars. Absolutely. Five stars. Um, hey, speaking of five stars, you can rate the Podakesis podcast at app, uh, on Apple iTunes and leave that five-star rating there. That helps with us. All right, so let's uh, let's get into this book, Jesus the Stranger. Now, uh, this is something kind of, I would imagine, is new for you, reading the introduction and and looking at this. Your expertise is in historical theology. I think you said on another podcast I was listening to where you were interviewed that you like historical theology. I won't say over-systematic theology, but you like historical theology because of the context it brings into the thought. Am I right on that? That's exactly right. I yeah. like, uh, for example, to explore the doctrine of justification. I would like to do that uh, from examining Luther and Calvin yeah. and their setting and how they reflected on the doctrine of justification. Right. I do like the contextualization oh. and, and the whole people uh, element, the whole people content. Well, yes. which that that is what I feel is really brought to the table in your new book, Jesus the Stranger, mm -hmm. because, and, and, and I'd like, you'll tell us more about it, but just so people know, um, part of this is taking a look at the... Uh, context of Jesus through people that he encounters. Isn't yes. and so it's wonderful. So you you're bringing in though though it seems like maybe um biblical studies doesn't seem to to be maybe what you're teaching you are teaching out of the context with which you you love. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book instead of yeah, me telling you uh, about it. We got the author on. Yeah, you you you're correct. Um the image I use in the introduction is that I'm like a curator at an art gallery right. and I'm arranging paintings and artifacts for a special exhibition. So the exhibition is going to have a focus. Um, and in the same way, I'm doing this in terms of the gospel accounts. I'm picking and selecting passages that will illuminate the character of Jesus by contrasting him with various figures throughout the gospel, whereby the identity of Jesus will be revealed in a very focused and powerful way. Mm. And these are oppositional characters that Jesus is running up against. 
And so um, there will be the issue of pain and suffering, but not the way we normally think about the pain and suffering of Jesus. So mm. oftentimes we think of that in a physical way. I much more focus on the emotional, psychological, even spiritual suffering that Jesus encountered as he was rejected by key people, hometown folk, for example, mm -hmm. even by his own family at one point who thinks he's crazy, mm -hmm. uh, and then religious leaders, even his own disciple Peter, who Jesus has to rebuke because he just doesn't understand who is standing in front of him. Uh, so I get at that. And when we look at the suffering of Jesus, it reveals his goodness. Mm. It reveals his goodness in a powerful way. And then also uh, his beauty. Mm. And I think that's the first level of the book, because the book on the first level is about Jesus. Right. And it's very focused because it's like an exposition. I'm not mm. looking at every biblical text. I have selected the text. Right. It's a narrative journey. It's a thematic presentation. Mm -hmm. But on a whole second level, it's about us. Right. It's about people like us who want to be serious disciples of Jesus Christ today in a very toxic culture. And we can't do that but through suffering. Oh. And so... As we embrace suffering, as Jesus Christ himself embraced suffering, we get to know Jesus in a whole new way. We really do. I marvel. I, I've been walking around the past six months marveling at Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, how does he uh, experience that kind of emotional, spiritual wow. uh, suffering that he goes through and, and not start to doubt because he's a human being? You know, look at all that's happening to him. He's being ostracized. He's being slandered. Uh, you know, is he ever saying, Father, why is this happening to me? Uh, haven't I been good? <laughs> Don't I do well? <laughs> you know, what, do I right. deserve this? And yet, you know, the suffering is ongoing. It's ongoing. Uh, and groups are doing all sorts of mean things to him, slandering him, ostracizing him, ridiculing him, mocking him, humiliating him. Uh, and so, you know, it's not that bad for us yet today in our culture, but it may be coming. I, I think we're already into it uh, because we are in a toxic culture that is hostile to real Christianity, real, true, proper, scriptural Christianity. The broader culture is hostile to it. We have folk like us who we mean business. <laughs> we mean business. We seriously want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. regardless of the cost. We will pay the price because we love Jesus so. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you're saying that, I, I think of uh, Paul's line in Philippians 4, I mean, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, where he says, um, I want to know Christ to know um, the the uh, to to know him through his sufferings right. and then somehow right. and exactly to right. to obtain the resurrection right, right. Um, such a powerful thing there um, let me ask you this so beautiful picture there of of kind of the 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 meat of this book um, why'd you write it what happened what uh, what made you kind of step out of your field of expertise and 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 tackle a project like this 
Yeah, I no surprise here. I was originally all set up to write uh, another book in Wesleyan studies, <laughs> which, by the way, I started uh, today. Praise the Lord. I started that book today. Another Wesley book is coming. Uh, yes. And actually, I learned so much from writing Jesus the Stranger. I'm going to bring all that knowledge into writing this Wesley book. Yes. Because what I did in Jesus the Stranger, it's a book on one level. You know, it has notes. I did my homework. I, yeah. I understood what New Testament scholars were saying about passages. But I'm writing for lay people. I'm writing for pastors. I'm writing for, you know, people in the churches who are trying to figure out, well, what's going on? What's going on today? How do I live the Christian life today? And I want to bring that same sort of uh, writing style to this new Wesley book so that I'm not writing for the academy. I'm not writing for scholars. I'm writing great. for a yeah. broader audience. Yeah. Well, and, and I would just say go for it full yes, steam please. because uh, just there's a hunger for the Wesleyan way of following Christ yeah. um, that I see at the, on the ground floor. Um, so the I'm more we've got, the that. better. You know, I was thinking, uh, Dr. Collins, about this idea of suffering in places. You know, you have the, the Paschal suffering of Christ, uh, and, and we talked about that. And you mentioned, of course, the Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson movie, the proper horror movie. Yeah. Um, but the little, not the little sufferings, but maybe the more existential sufferings, the day-to-day -day sufferings. I think about how I feel, for example when somebody that, you know, I wish would regard me well does not, right? right. And I think about the, the powerful feelings that come from that. They're pretty powerful feelings. Yes, they, yes could make, they, are. they could make me nervous. They could make my heart race. They could make me change course or decision. Mm -hmm. um, and for to read through some of this, and I don't know, it, it got me kind of around the middle, like in the middle of the book. Um, it just started like grabbing into my heart a little bit these writings to say, gosh, these are the things that Jesus was so alone. I recognize what I might assume these feelings feel like for me. And it gave me a hope. Um, it gave me a lot of introspection. And uh, so I just wanted just to, to lay that out there because I, I appreciate you bringing out some of these other areas where Jesus's humanity touches ours. Yes, and I think you're right to talk about um, the suffering of Jesus on a daily basis, not simply at the cross, but of course at the cross, but that he suffered all throughout his ministry, his ministry, because he was opposed, there was opposition, because he was such a light, uh, and the darkness rose up against him and tried to do all hateful things to him. Uh, murderous plots and 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 whatnot, um, but then you know that relates to us today uh, in terms of the kind of suffering we're experiencing with rejection, ostracism, uh, ridicule, being called bigots, for mm. example. Though we are not bigots at all, we are the people about holy love. We wish for every human being on the face of the earth, the very same good that we wish for ourselves, and that is to be known in and loved by God. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing more beautiful than that. And we wish that for every person. 
that they might know the knowledge and love of God manifested in Jesus Christ to their freedom, to mm. their freedom, to their redemption. And, um, you know, when I look at the suffering in my own life, sometimes it gets me down. It gets me down. You know, when I'm ostracized or rejected or not included. And then I look to Jesus and I sometimes I'm saying to myself, how did you do it? Your mm. prayer life is, must be so rich. <laughs> how do you ongoingly know? Yes, uh, the, the love of God is the, of the Father is there without skipping a beat, even though you're going through some very, very difficult things. And so this is this is an area of growth. This is an area of growth for us all. But I do comfort myself with this. And uh, this is something I see in my own life. I see it in the lives of my friends, though the day to day and even week to week and month to month may you know look a little difficult at times. Uh, when I step back, and I'm older than all of you, <laughs> when I step back and look at broad swaths of my life, it is always, watch, wait for it now, 100%. Hmm. God's faithfulness, goodness is 100%. Hmm. Now, I don't always see that in the day-to-day. -day. I don't. Sometimes I'll, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm in pain because yeah. I've just been rejected. I've just been slandered like Jesus was slandered. It hurts. Mm -hmm. And so I'm praying to God, what's going on here? Yeah. But I know if I embrace that suffering, mm -hmm. that can continue to trust and to persevere, that's a key word here, persevere, mm -hmm. that God always works out God's good purpose. Yeah. And you stand back and you say, praise your holy name, there is no one like you. There is no one like you when you see the beauty of the providential love of God manifested in, in our lives. If we can wait for it, if we can be in the suffering without cutting and running, hmm. without being babies saying, oh, you know, you have to fix this, fix this right now, or I'm out of here. You know, that immature kind of understanding of faith that, you know, we just stand firm. We remain faithful, we trust, we persevere, mm -hmm. and then we see the hand of God, and mm -hmm. God has worked out these things for our good. Yes. Mm. And that, that great line, and hope does not disappoint, that leads, you know, persevering, uh, what is it, suffering produces character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint there's some great great truths it's, it's something like that brett i mean so I, I, you, know, you can read your yeah. bible every once in a while maybe yeah, get if it, it's but, not yeah, deuteronomy it's or, like or matthew 28 then it's <laughs> we so, have hope and i yeah. mean look at the beatitudes the beatitudes yeah. uh you know on the first part of the beatitudes people are suffering but on yeah. the second part of the beatitude people are blessed Right. So there's great hope in the Beatitudes and and hope. When we think about hope, we also have to think about suffering because they're connected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah. are connected. That's, yeah, um, that's and maybe that's why we don't hear enough sermons on hope in churches, because we're going to have to bring up the topic of suffering. But I think especially in what we're leaning into uh, in this decade, we have yeah. to do that more and more because we have yeah. to help. Yeah. We have to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, we have to show, direct people to the grace of uh, God manifested in Jesus Christ in very helpful ways. Yeah. Mm. 
So uh, this book, Jesus the Stranger, uh, it reads a lot like a kind of, to me, when I was reading it, reads a lot like a detailed journal almost of a life-changing trip or journey someone would take, almost like a, like a gospel-centered trip advisory manual or something like that, <laughs> um, in which we're given kind of 40, we're given 42 snapshots of a larger gospel story uh, here. So what, what was the process like for you in choosing? You, you, don't, you don't tell everything from Jesus's life. You, you're, right. you're real particular. Uh, what was the process like for choosing these particular scenes within the Gospels to talk about? Yes, I wanted Jesus' character to be revealed through oppositional characters so that Jesus would be face-to-face in relation to people who on some level were opposing him. And then out of that contrast, there would be the illumination of who Jesus is. Now, you would not believe, and I'm not going to tell you <laughs> how long it took me to choose hmm. the four. The, actually, there are 40 passages, two are repeated twice. So there are 42 chapters, but 40 passages. Right. How long it took me to uh, come to terms with those 40 passages. In other words, these and only these. Uh, and that was a very long process done very deliberately. Um, you're correct. There's lots of structure in the book. Yeah, yeah. That's intentional. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's a climax. Yeah. There is a kind of intermission, if you will, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with the chapters on uh, three chapters on discipleship in yeah. 22, 23, 24. There is in, I think it's chapter 13, a stepping back, you know, after we've gone on the journey a bit, what's this all about? What are right. we doing? Uh, you know, when the young ruler, uh, you know, the young rabbis asking Jesus, what is the greatest law? You know, what is the greatest commandment? Yeah. Sort of stepping back, thinking about, you know, what's the point of it all? What, what are we about? Uh, so there is lots of structure built into it. Um, and then because it is a narrative journey and a thematic presentation, um, I know that readers are going to get caught up in the story, just like you can get caught up in, in any good story, but especially so the gospel story. So at the end of the account, I offer uh, a litany, a litany mm -hmm. of confession, <clears throat> repentance, and yeah. renewal. Yeah. Uh, in other words, if in seeing Jesus Christ, if in seeing Jesus Christ in this new way, uh, and perhaps seeing the love of God in a new way, that that may invite a response. And I at least had to provide an opportunity for those readers who wanted a, a suitable vehicle for a response to what they had gone through and what they had read. And, and I, let me just say to our listening audience, when I said there's 42 snapshots here, um, this is not a 500-page book. Um, right, this right. Is, um, you know, in the, in the front of the, in the introduction, Dr. Collins, you, you write that this is, it, 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 sometimes it can read like a devotional, but it's not a devotional. Right. It can read almost like a, a biography or something like that, but it's not, but it's not, it's right. not, it is, it's, this is a different type of thing. Um, and um, I remember uh, hearing that um, your uh, 
maybe undergrad or you, you had some creative writing training. I did. I did. I studied creative writing as, as an undergraduate. And so and enjoyed that a lot. And I've been writing for a long time. I love language. Yeah. I love playing with language, working with it as a tool. So I wanted to do something different. Yeah. I wanted to write a book that a person wouldn't be. Well, let me back up. The way people read books, oftentimes they're reading a book. I'm going to get some facts. Okay. Mm -hmm, they're at right. the center of their own life. They're reading a book. They're going to get some facts. I wanted to bracket that out. Right. I wanted to engage the readers so that the reader realizes, well, I have something in stake at stake in this story. I wanted them to get caught up in the story, yeah. to see themselves in the story, yeah. uh, that they're a part of this narrative that's playing out, that they very much are a part of this narrative. And they may even find themselves addressed, addressed by the Holy Spirit through the gospel text in terms of who Jesus is, to see mm -hmm. that in a new way. Mm -hmm. That's good. And you draw the reader in. You're you're no longer I Ken Collins talking to people. Uh, it's now we through the whole we. thing. That's right. You know what's That's funny right. is you talk about uh, getting something out of the book. Um, a lot of the books that you'll see that are super popular in the nonfiction area uh, involve like some promise to great success and all this stuff. And you end your book with a litany of confession. Yeah. I think that's bold and brave. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, <laughs> I agree. Yes. And it's, uh, it's beautifully written. A long one at that, too. It's not a 10-line litany and confession. It is one that really takes some time for you to go through. And in a sense, that litany serves as the summary of the book. You may have right. picked that yeah. up. It's right. the summary of the book. And you may have picked up uh, another little crew, uh, clue here, although no spoiler alerts yeah. yet, um, that... Um, Jesus rises litanies, again, no spoilers. Normally, in litanies, you normally have a refrain with three. Yeah. In here, there's a refrain of four. That's mm. intentional. Okay. Uh, so that's part of the mystery of the book as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I imagine when some teenagers read this, they're going to have a lot of fun, and they'll pick up things that adults won't read in terms of the structure that's built into the into the narrative. Mm -hmm. But uh, they'll they'll pick it up. <laughs> My goodness, it certainly is a book for for all folks, and especially there's all kinds of experiences. Uh, that Jesus has, and you pick up on some some of the places that are maybe maybe not always the stories that that everybody would think of that would matter to him. There's there's stories in his domestic life and um, along the way, and then of course the big moments. And um, I think that really does help us put our humanity um, to see Jesus in a way that that we might see ourselves in the in the common humanity that we have with Jesus. And it's pretty fantastic. You know, I wonder I wonder if you could could help uh with this so jesus the stranger um you from the outset just want to note how jesus is often the other person or the other or outside um and even you talk about it different from in his personal relationships he's the other and in society systems he's the other tell me tell me about how that theme came forward and, and why that's so important to help us understand how understand Jesus and how we can navigate the moments we're in. Yeah, I think, um, Jim, I could answer your question by just pointing to the subtitle of the book, the subtitle of the book, the man from Galilee and the light of the world. Mm -hmm. Well, how does a man from Galilee, a young Jew 
who's likely a common laborer, perhaps a carpenter, who's not connected with any rabbinical school, who's not rich, who's not noted, who's not famous, how does that man from Galilee, I mean, he's not even from Judea, he's from Galilee, how does that man get recognized as the light of the world? Mm. And, and that story is told through the narrative journey, that how this young Jewish common laborer is recognized as the light of the world, so much so that he has changed the world. Still today, mm. he has changed the world. We don't think about uh, moral life in the same way any longer. Look, look at some of the expressions of Jesus. Turn the other cheek. Go the second mile. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. This is all coming from the illumination of Jesus. This has worked our way, it has worked its way into our culture, such that we value, in a way that Romans and Greeks did not, we value uh, the poor, the rejected, the despised. We do that. That's a very Christian thing to do. Right. And what does this do? It highlights the universal love of God. And all means all, from the greatest to the lowest. All of this comes out of the illumination of God manifested in Jesus Christ. So with this man, the question of God, who God is, becomes preeminent. And so that's why there's a great contrast between Jesus and the religious leaders, because they think they know who God is, and then Jesus shows them uh, there's trouble here, friend. Mm -hmm. There's trouble here. And it's that revelation of who God is in Jesus Christ. And the climax of that, is, of course, is going to be Golgotha. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we will see, we will know, we will never think about God in the same way again. Right. No yeah. one is ever going to think about God in the same way again after Golgotha, mm -hmm. after the holy love of Jesus Christ is manifested in an illumination that is transformative. I mean, it even transformed the Roman centurion, this, this uh, Gentile, this pagan, and he didn't even have the language for it, so he had to borrow the language for the, from the Jews. Right. And he called him the Son of God, mm -hmm. the Son of God. Mm -hmm. And he saw more, much more, than simply physical suffering. As a Roman soldier, he was acquainted to it. He'd be dead to it. Mm -hmm. He'd be numb. He saw something else that day. He saw the revelation, the illumination of who God is, and it transformed him. That's right. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Um, that is awesome. Uh, Dr. Collins, you, so you, we, we talk, you talked about uh, the litany at the end of the book, and so we talked about sort of a response that, that you're hoping for the reader to have. Um, how about you? How have you grown? What, how have you changed? How have you been transformed by writing? this book i think i appreciate and accept 
the ongoing suffering in my own life in a new way. Um, I've come to see the beauty of Christ in a whole new way, and it is transformative. Um, I don't know what this is going to do to my Wesleyan uh, <laughs> Wesleyan theology, my Wesleyan Arminian theology, but 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 here's what I want to suggest, um, and I even mentioned this in the book. I mean, I saw in my own life what the centurion saw. I actually saw it all at once while I was running. Mm. I mean, I was praying and running, and I had gospel passages in my mind and head, mm. and I was thinking about Jesus and praying and glorifying God, and I saw it all in a flash. I saw the love of God. I was overwhelmed. Mm. I, I was overwhelmed. There was a woman approaching me. She probably thought I was crazy. Here was this man running, and then all of a sudden, he's bursting into tears like that. Hmm. like flipping on a switch i'm in t full tears mm. because i saw the love of god for me in christ oh, and i saw Lord it in a moment in a moment in a flash yeah and i think that's what the centurion saw hmm. and so here i'm trying i'm trying to have my theology catch up with it because you know i, I don't believe in determinism i'm well i'm wesleyan i'm wesleyan yes. arminian but <laughs> My sense is, and this is what I've been thinking about, and I'm still going to be thinking about it. I haven't come to the, you know, ultimate judgment yet. But I think when you, when a person sees the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ for them, fill in the blanks of your name. Okay. You see that, how God loves you. I think it, it's necessarily transformative. Yeah. It, it, it's, you'll never be the same. Now, you can reject that, of course. You can deny it. You can walk away from it. But you'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Yeah. <laughs> never. There's a before and after. And I think the same way, when a person sees the holy love of God manifested in Jesus Christ in this rich, good, and beautiful way, it is so uncanny. It is so different than our workaday world. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you're necessarily transformed. <laughs> you know, he hearing you say that, I, I think of kind of some of the testimonies that were lifted up in um, Doctor in, in Kevin Watson's book on perfect love, the the on his work on sanctification, mm -hmm. and the uh, stories that are told in there of people's response to us um, understanding perf uh, uh, being made perfect in holy love. It's almost as if, um, you know, outside of our salvation and the, the moment of, our, of giving our lives to Jesus, of, of, of saying, I'll follow you, now you've grown and you're grown and you've grown and you've grown, and then you get just this sense of whatever that is, of, of, of seeing uh, God's holy love poured out for us and finally just kind of giving into it. I mean, that's when you're telling your story there, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think you're sitting there saying, I was fully sanctified while running that day, but right. it does, but the testimonies are very similar and how God's holy love does that. It, it, it just, the, the powerful way it, um, it reveals itself to us as we follow him, seek him, continue striving after those things. Hmm. Um, yes, yes. 
Yeah. And it and it's uh, obvious that you're more acquainted with your sufferings if you keep running. I mean, all, people, <laughs> well, that's true too. That's uh, for true. The, too. For that's those true. for those who want the the inside track, uh, uh, earlier we discovered that uh, Dr. Collins is going to go run five miles today, uh, which he talks about in his book quite uh, quite a bit. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, I just think it's fascinating. Jesus's own suffering, and he is upheld by um, God the Father by his divinity, by his mission. Uh, and you, you, in writing, find this beautiful, prolonged, deep contemplation of the person of Jesus as a call for us to be firm in a hostile culture. It's a beautiful thing that um, we can gaze at Jesus for strength. Yes. Yes. So, so, I, 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 a little personal question again, too. So it sounds like you run, uh, you meditate. Could, could you tell us a little bit about how your life with Christ plays out the day to day? Do you have spiritual disciplines and things like that, that really, um, help you stay connected to Jesus, the stranger? Yes. Uh, I have regular spiritual disciplines. I pray in the mornings, uh, before I even eat, I make sure I have good prayer time. Uh, right in the morning. Uh, then I start my day. Um, during that day, I will pray throughout the day. Um, I will also read scripture. I'll read two chapters from the Old Testament. I'll read one chapter from the New Testament. Um, then I'll do some spiritual reading uh, and prayer. So, th- and, and if I'm going running, I'm going to be praying when I'm running. Uh, I, I found that to be true when I, when when I've taken up running to it. Really, there's something about that. Yeah. What is it? Do you think is it is it like well, the inclusion of your body in the I prayer? Think, I really think there's a physiological basis to it that after you hit the third mile or fourth mile, that a whole new kind of thinking comes into play, and it's more global <laughs> oh. and it's more. <laughs> holistic that's and, my problem i've been stopping uh before a mile so uh, you, got, you, gotta go, <laughs> you gotta go behind three and a half you gotta get into that yeah. fourth mile because usually i'm praying for lord let me get through this uh, <laughs> that's that's like the base level prayer but yeah know, yeah yeah lord yeah. let me survive yeah. uh, that's great and I then love and then when you're done running and praying uh and part of this is physiological the endorphins being released in your brain you will feel a sense of peace. So running and praying is good for stress release. It's good uh, to think well, to be focused, mental agility. Uh, it just has so many benefits. But I find that um, when I'm praying and running, I get to focus on what's important, what's mm. actually important. Not what I think is important before I start prayer, but what is actually important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Oh, that's fascinating. I love well, it. Well, um, Dr. Collins, we're kind of getting to that time. We want to honor your sure. time so you can sure. be running. Um, I, one yep. last question I want to ask before we close out is, uh, yep. you know, the the whole point of our podcast is what Christians believe and why it matters, and. I just wonder if you could just kind of let us know in your words, as short or as long as you want them to go, uh, why does Jesus still matter today? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Uh, And unless we have a Savior uh, who lived, died, and rose again, 
then we might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Amen. Mm. And so Jesus wow. Christ is qualitatively distinct from all other religious figures because he is human, but not merely human. He is God come to us. <clears throat> he is the man who lived, who died, and who rose again. So if you want to talk about hope, yes, we have a big hope mm -hmm. that even death doesn't stop us, that we have the hope uh, in Jesus Christ because he is the risen one. He is the resurrection and the life, and he rose from the dead. Uh, and so, yes, Jesus is going to be relevant in the 21st century, the 22nd, until he comes again. That's right. Mm, wow. Right. So Absolutely. I'll give you a quick this a quick word of encouragement from this little old guy in South Georgia. Okay, just a little charge that you can take as uh, uh, uppity or whatever you want. You and your writing and your teaching impacts the church. Yes. Um, your day to day labor of teaching and studying and putting uh, pen to paper uh, impacts the church, mm -hmm. and that impacts the world. So. Um, persevere pray deep we're praying for you and with you, Thank you. Um, and we we want to undergird the work that you're doing um, for the greater good of the gospel in this place so i want to thank you for that and ask that you would please keep on going yes absolutely. thank you thank you jim and thank you brett and thank you alan i appreciate this very much this was a very good dialogue very good conversation I, I thought it went very well and you know what what could we expect it's among brothers amen, amen. that's amen. right hey amen. look where can people find your book uh they can find it up on seedbed would yep. be the best place uh you know it is up on amazon but it, you know sometimes it's up and then it's down and then it's up <laughs> and it's down depends you if can... jeff bezos is off in space or if he's back yeah, on Earth. flying the rocket and, <laughs> yeah. and he flies the rocket and then we can't get the paperback i know i know <laughs> feedbed.com uh, yes, seedbed.com, you can get it. Uh, Amazon has the Kindle. They told me they're going to get the paperback up again soon. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. That's yeah. That's been kind of frustrating a bit. I've had to deal with that. Well, we're Seedbed supporters, so uh, right. everybody, everybody go to Seedbed. And, and if people yeah. wanted to connect with you, Dr. Collins, maybe online or through correspondence, what's an easy way for them to do that? Uh, they could contact me at my seminary address, which is simple. It's ken.collins at Asbury Seminary, all one word, dot edu. Excellent. We'll put awesome. that in the show notes. Yes, show I was going to say, we'll link to the book in the show notes and so uh, from Seedbed, so that's great. Well, Dr. Collins, it's been great to have you. Um, I know personally, as Jim said, I'm very thankful for your scholarship and for your work for the church. It has blessed us. And, you know, I graduated in 2009, and I still use your stuff uh, all the time in preaching, teaching, and uh, discipleship and all that. So thank you so much for you. everything you do in the church. Um, for all of our Podakesis listeners, we're grateful for you. Remember, we're part of the Spirit and Truth Network. You can find out all about that at Spirit and Truth. Dot life. I just want to remind you of the Spirit and Truth Conference, March 17th through the 19th, 2022 in Dayton, Ohio. If you go in and register for that and you put Podakesis in that discount box, you'll get $20 off your registration. Podakesis, P-O-D-E-C-H-E-S-I-S. -E Hit us up on social media. Uh, at Podakesis is where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
And as always, leave a five-star rating and a review there on Apple iTunes. We love you guys. We're grateful for your support. Uh, tell, tell your friends, tell your family all about us. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. And we will be back with you later. We hope you have a great day and God bless. Yeah.